Uh, welcome back to the last post for this issue, Saturday, January 26th. Uh, I'm your host, Andrew Carey, and you're listening to the Limerick Post podcast, bringing you this week's news and bite-sized portions. Remember, you can keep up to date with all Limerick news on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook at Limerick Post and hashtag keeping Limerick posted and on limerickpost.ie. Um, in this week's edition, our front page lead story looks at the shocking figures which show that nurses topped the list of abuse targets at UL hospitals for the past two years. I'm now joined by our digital editor, Kian Reinhardt, who has more on this story. Kian. Right, Andrew. Um, um, tell us about these figures. Yeah, so uh, the figures came from a Freedom of Information request we sent to UL Hospitals Group recently, and uh, it showed that 427 recorded instances of abuse took place in 2017 and 2018 across the hospitals group. 212 of those incidents involved members of the nursing staff and they were the most affected group. But but this was to be expected because there are more nursing staff than others in the hospitals group. Uh, this was echoed by both Mary Fogarty of the INMO and the UL Hospitals group themselves who both said how nurses would be the most populous staff in the hospital as well as having the most service user staff interaction. Uh, Mary Fogarty said nurses are often the first point of contact, the first person and last person you see in the hospital and would take a lot of discontent. And Kim, what, would the, what did UL Hospitals Group say about this? Uh, UL Hospitals Group spokesperson said nursing and midwifery are the largest group of healthcare workers in, at UL Hospitals Group and they operate on the front line, which would explain why the number of interactions, good or bad, is higher in this group. It's still a shocking figure to see. Um, your front page story has, has more details on that. Uh, thanks for that, Kian. Just uh, flipping over on a, a slightly better news story. Um, we see that big spending US visitors are driving Limerick tourism to new levels. Tell us about this. Uh, yeah, this was a story by Tom McCullough in this week's paper, which is a, an analysis suggests that Limerick was the fastest growing county in hotel sector last year in Ireland. Speaking at a Limerick Chamber event this week, uh, David McCarthy, Head of Hospitality and Tourism at AIB, had this to say. Well, we've looked at credit and debit card spending, we've looked at AAB, uh, ATM withdrawal transactions. All of it is telling us that Limerick is performing extremely well. Hotels, pubs and restaurants are all seeing more than double-digit growth in some cases. One key statistic that's jumping out across all sectors is the North American market spending in Limerick has massively increased over the last two years. Uh, it's become a far more important market to Limerick than the UK market, which is hugely important. And uh, there's more on that story in this week's paper as well as online. That's great. Thanks very much, Kian. No problem. Cheers, Andrew. I'm now joined by Bernie English, who writes this week about the launch of a new group, Survivors Support Anonymous. Bernie, tell me about this launch today. Hi, Andrew. Yes, this, was, um, this group was launched by a lady called Leona O'Callaghan, who is an abuse survivor. Um, she was raped as a child repeatedly by a man who was sentenced just some months ago. And she uses the 12-step approach to, uh, as in this peer, peer group support. Um, she also had an exhibition at the launch of the, of the group. You'll remember there was an issue some time ago about a woman's underwear being used in court against her in a rape trial. And she asked survivors of abuse and sexual assault to tell her what they were wearing when this happened. And she had a very um, hard-hitting and moving exhibition, including she went out and got clothes similar to the ones that were described to her. And uh, she, there were communion dresses, there were choir boy outfits, there were all kinds of things. And it made a very clear statement about the fact that clothes don't rape, rapists do. 
And this group now is active in, in, in Limerick and is it is. It's, 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 it's active twice a week in Limerick. It has a morning meeting and an evening meeting for people. And there's details in the story of how you can contact Leona. That's great, Bernie. Thanks. Um, I see you have a story that there's a great buzz surrounding a new beekeeping course. Tell yeah, us about that. I'm telling you. Uh, the Lim- Limerick Beekeepers Association, yeah. they had about five members three years ago and now they've got over 100 people wow. aged 11 to 80. And every year they run a course to teach people about how to, how to look after bees, basically, and what to do with hives and, and not to get stung to death and all the rest of it. Um, so they're starting their new course very shortly, and they have weekly meetings in Mungert where the a- a- apiary is. Um, and it's 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 a very active group and very interesting for anyone who's, who'd like to take up new hobbies. Yeah, it's it's niche, and obviously the byproduct is honey, and you know our oh, meat, delicious our byproduct. Yeah, <laughs> I mean we take some of that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Bernie, and then just to finish, you have um, uh, this, the first date's sensation that was Lorraine O'Connell. Honest to God, <laughs> you <laughs> have a little piece about her. <laughs> we did, yes, we did. A, we did a piece about her date with. Um, Shannon, Shannon the, man who, the manager of Shannon Knights, Peter, and it was uh, as 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 first dates go, we could say it was fairly eventful. And she has she has a huge appetite for life, and apparently also for Peter's dessert, which she ate when he went to the bathroom. Yeah. But we don't think the pair found love, but they did have a lot of crack. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it it made for great TV. It sure did. It sure did. Yeah. Listen, yeah, and Bernie, thanks very much. That's been great. You're welcome, Andrew. Uh, reporter Alan Jakes reveals in his page four story this week that. Limerick accounted for 98 children living in emergency accommodation as of January 12th last. At last Monday's Metropolitan District Council meeting, Solidarity Councillor Paul Keller was told that 71 adults from 51 families were in emergency accommodation. 35 families were in bed and breakfasts and 10 families were being supported by the Midwest Simon Hub. Suvness also provided shelter for six single mothers with 11 children. Una Burns from Novas told the meeting that the number of families experiencing homelessness in Limerick remains very high. Alan's story on page four has more on this. It'll also be online at limerickpost.ie. In our sports news, I'm now joined by sporting Limerick journalist John Kyo, who's got the latest news on GA and rugby. Hi, John. Do Andrew heard things? Great. Talk to me about what's in this week's pages. First front page this week, we've Limerick uh, hurling legend Kieran Carey, who's joined Sporting Limerick as a columnist for the year, talking about all things hurling with Limerick. And his first column talks about Limerick's opening league game at Wexford. They're back in Division One A this year for the first time since 2010. Kieran gives his opinions on what he thinks will happen for the year. He thinks Limerick can cope with the mantle of being All Ireland champions. Said so the, the age profile of the squad. He doesn't guarantee that they're going to win back-to-back, which obviously no one's going to guarantee that, but he reckons they're well able to cope with the mantle. Also, Jack Neville gives a preview of the game where he... Kieran, uh, actually, I have to say as well, Kieran reckons Limerick will beat Wexford this Sunday. Jack Neville gives um, his uh, his brief preview to the game, looking ahead to what Wexford have done recently in the last couple of years and where they've come from under yeah. Davy Fitzgerald, as well as Limerick have a few injury worries going into the game, like Kyle Hayes, who was... Uh, young hurler of the year last year, big injury doubt, heading into game with a couple of other long-term ones. So there's going to be a lot of pressure on Limerick this year, coming in as champions. But you know, to be fair, as you said, the age profile of this team, as long as, as well as their somewhat capacity to to find winning form, these are all going to stand to them, right? Big time. Yeah, you, you have a guy like Seamus Flanagan who, in an interview recently, is 21 years of age this year. Hurling world at their feet, effectively given their age profile. But he says, "What good? What, what good is one? I learned to me at twenty-one. 
So A, that shows his own ambition, but it does reflect the ambition of the rest of the squad. As great as last year was for them, they're fully focused again on this season. Yes, they're a bit behind the eight ball in the sense that they've started a bit later than everyone else, mm. but yeah. they're seriously telling the group of hurlers. And, and another thing Kieran mentions in that is there's guys that were on the subs bench last year, very well established inter-county hurlers, the likes of Shane Dowling, who came on and impacted, but there's a guy like Kevin Downs who is a seriously prominent hurler with Nipirshik, Yeah, has been a prominent hurler with Limerick in the past injuries last couple of years and hence one of the reasons he wasn't in the starting team at the start of the year as well as Nipirshik's run to the All-Ireland club final. These guys are going to be wanted to start. They're not. Yeah. They don't view themselves and it wouldn't be viewed around the country as being subs. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. Well, look, it's clear these guys want to win. So, I mean, that's going to be nice. Staying on the, the winning ways, um, if we go over to some rugby news, um, what do you have in this for us this week? This week we have, we've, we had the Munster Press Conference Monday and we spoke to Jan van Graan, Arnold Boto and Tyler Blendal. Tyler, of course, out half, he's been out injured for a good while. We also have as well Tom Savage's article which focuses on Ian Keatley, who it was confirmed this week or last week that he's gone after Bennett and Treviso in Italy and Tom rightly, in my eyes anyway, is basically saying he should be appreciated for the time he has put in at Munster. He's at eight years, over 1,200 points at Munster. And he points out the fact, Tom, as well, of Three Ray Kings, that Ian Keatley had to follow a living legend in Ron Nogara. Basically an impossible test. To f- Serious boots to fill, right? Exa- exactly. You're seeing now Joey Carberry ha- has already showed the potential that he may be able to do that, but you're always on the back of... It's going to happen at Leinster too. When Johnny Sexton does retire... I'd imagine at this stage Joy Carberry will still be a monster player. I'd be surprised if he wasn't, given what we've heard from him in the last couple of months. You'd, it's so hard to replace, to fill someone's shoes yeah. that are that big. Keatley has probably been the victim of the talent that has emerged, um, bringing Carberry in, Blenendale when he signed. You know, Little like, Johnston, JJ Henrin. Like I was at a game a couple of weeks ago, Leinster versus Munster. Ian Keatley came on the second half, and I was saying to people a couple of days ago, in front of a couple of hundred people, I mean, it's... It's a shame in that sense, but I, I'd agree that he should be appreciated for what he's done with Munster. Yeah, so, I mean, by in time for Munster, definitely, especially after their, their, their success in the Champions Cup and they're going, you know, taking on a quarter-final berth. Yeah, Johan van Grand spoke at length about that this week as well, that that has to be parked, as great as it was. It has to be parked now. You have 11 Munster players gone away with Ireland, nine of which are in Portugal. Ty Byrne came off with a knee injury last week in that game. He's going to miss first two games of the Six Nations and you know Andrew Conway will be back as well soon enough but he's, he's just also pointed just to finish on Van Graan there's opportunities for fellas to make a break for now for the next five six weeks with all the players away to Six Nations Yeah, there's 11 changes definitely for the Dragons game on Saturday which are playing away from home there's going to be more I mean, they, there's going to be squad rotation this week Munster being top of conference A in the Pro 14 they need to keep winning there's going to be constant pressure in that it's it's an exciting chance for players to take their. It is the, the internationals being away in camp. It is going to allow some opportunities for some of the those fringe players to come through. So we'll keep a close eye on that. And John, just to finish, um, some news from local soccer. Yeah, big weekend in the Munster Junior Cup. Um, fourth round takes place this weekend with local sides heading off some big games. Prospect Priory travelling to Cork, playing Pierce Celtic. Derek Radish decide they won't be favourites going into it but they'll give it a shot anyway. They've added a fine 
local player John Boyle recently to the rank, so he will make a difference for them. You, who else do you have? You have Piker are playing as well this weekend. Janesborough, you know, like, like there's, as I said, five times. It's a huge weekend. The Munster Junior Cup is one of the biggest, yeah. biggest trophies you can get. You know, so you've so also you've... lost in Cup from Premier League Division actually locally as well. So okay. That's great stuff, um, John. As 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 always, our sports coverage is brought to you, uh, our our listeners and readers, um, to our partnership with with Sporting Limerick. There's more news beyond the paper over at LimerickPost.ie. Uh, thanks for joining me, John. Cool. Cheers. Um, over in business news this week, uh, there was welcome relief for workers at Ahanish Illumina in Askeaton in County Limerick um, after the U.S. Senate failed to block the lifting of sanctions against the plant's Russian owners. At the time, we might remember that uh, back in April, there were sanctions put in place in respect of some of the Russian owners of the firm. Um, Oleg Deripaska was one of those targeted by the US Treasury Department. Um, Last week, Democratic senators said that they would block the US Treasury lifting these sanctions against the Russian oligarchs. But what actually happened was they failed to reach the required 60 votes. This now paves the way for the sanctions to be lifted uh, and for some 600 or more jobs to be saved at the Limerick plant. Fine Gael Minister Patrick O'Donovan said that it brought a huge sigh of relief for all the concerned workers. Uh, just in one other quick, new, quick news bite, Limerick-based uh, Cook Medical is encouraging educators and students to consider developing skills in subjects like maths and science to meet the growing demands for new talent in Ireland's medtech industry. Cook Medical based out in Plassey, uh, Derek McGrath, their Director of Global Research and Development, said that it was a progressive time for the medtech industry in Ireland and that its future success was dependent on strong, qualified talent and he urged our educators to develop the right relevant mix of skills. This week's business section in print and online has more on both stories. Uh, entertainment editor Eric Fitzgerald is back with me uh, for the latest news on vibrant entertainment scene in Limerick. Um, Eric, you have some news of Country Music Hall of Fame legend Charlie Lansborough. Charlie Lansborough, yeah. Hi, Andy, and good to be back again. Um, I had a chat with Charlie Lansborough just last week, and um, I think we could have done about five or six pages of the paper with him. You know, this guy is an absolute legend. You know, yeah. he's now in his seventies and he's on his farewell tour. But um, Charlie didn't—he uh, loved music from the get-go. Uh, but didn't actually get his uh, his breakthrough until he was in his 50s, and that was in 1996. But what a life he'd led before that. He oh. absolutely um, found himself in prison as a young fella, joined the army. Um, he had so many different jobs, telephone engineer, working on railways, grocery stores, flour mills. He just did everything. And uh, in his latter days, he went away and trained to become a teacher, and after a long chat with him, I said, well, looking back on all that, what was the hardest work you ever had to do? He said, working in a school as a teacher, he said it was the toughest gig he ever had. And that's on the back of uh, being in the army and being stationed in West Germany. And um, yeah, and, 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 and uh, you know, he was even down and out for a while. He was down to his last 10 pounds. You know, the guy had an amazing story, but um, he bounced back. What Colour is the Wind is the, the most famous track, I guess, from him. You know, so um, he's playing on the 31st, which is Thursday, and it is a farewell tour. 
and um, he was fantastic when he was even talking about you know musicians maybe in Limerick who've been plugging away for a couple of years you know and it just it just threw a few words at me he said you know for, for anybody else working out there um, and maybe thinking it'll never happen for him you know he said just be inspired be influenced be impressed but don't try to copy anyone don't try to be anyone just be yourself you know and he was like laughing instead of Charlie can make it in his mid 50s there's hope for all of us, Andy. There and really a, is. An amazing life that's obviously quite evident through some of his music, but, you know, yeah. those words are great. He's a, he's a, he's a, it was amazing that he said that he wanted pop stardom in his early days so much, but he, he couldn't get a breakthrough. He joined the army, found himself in West Germany in the 60s. He's from Merseyside, by the way. So he's in, the, he's in West Germany, stuck in um, a, a billet in, 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 in a camp somewhere, remote, while Beatlemania has taken off in Liverpool. <laughs> and everybody that could even do a chord on a guitar was yeah. getting a break, was getting signed up. And uh, he was kind of stuck where he was stuck. So he had a lot of near misses uh, along the way. And, um, you know, I think that's part of what made, makes him what he's made, makes him today. So he only started songwriting in let's say he's in middle when he was middle-aged basically because he just got frustrated because he couldn't get a break yeah. so he started writing songs just to maybe in the hope that someone would listen to him that way so he reckons if he had made it a bit earlier he would have gone off the rails and he would never have been a songwriter in the first place so he yeah. is where he is and he's saying goodbye to us all on thursday january 31 so it's a gig well worth checking out um eric you've some news from uh limerick Rockers Head Fuzzy. Limerick Rockers Head Fuzzy. Uh, fantastic band. Uh, we've been following them now for a couple of years. Um, debut album just to come out. Um, this is Pat Pat Byrne, Pat Pablo Byrne, uh, played in the band with him myself years and years ago. And um, he has been working away in his home studio for the last three or four years on this project called Head Fuzzy. And it's just starting to kick off big time. Um, it's a four-piece band, it's kind of uh, pro progressive rock, metal, whatever you want to call it, but what he has got as, as a songwriter is, he can put together a fantastic band, it absolutely rocks, but he's got a turn with melody, similar to something like Tin Lizzy. So it can, be the, it can be the most rocking song you've ever heard, but there is a melody there, you can sit down with an acoustic guitar and play the same song. His single, Shadow for the Disappeared, um, that single in September, uh, he's, he released it, and just as a way of explaining how kind of quietly he's making progress, it went top five in Ireland, and like that's with no record company hype, no money behind him, just it, w word of mouth. Uh, he's turning up in all the right magazines, all the metal magazines. So like when, when it was George Ezra had a, a number one with a shotgun, his song was sitting there at number five. So they're launching their album uh, with the full band on Saturday. And um, uh, this, is, this is one to watch, you know, especially for the metal crowd. This is really, and, and I think what, what's going to happen with this music is it's going to cross over. It's too melodic not to. 
Okay, and you have some news just in from Fontaine's DC? Yeah, um, everyone's favorite punk band just announced uh, today that um, Shoda Shows, who've been running fantastic gigs down in Dolan's now for the last couple of years, they are six years in existence and they're having their birthday party on February 22nd and they just announced that they're bringing the Fontaine's DC with them. And the Fontaine's DC actually played the same show last year. These guys have been picking up so much hype all over the world at the moment now. And they are Ireland's best chance, I think, of a serious, serious breakout band. So those guys have um, support from the BBC. They're touring the US in March. They're touring around Europe at the moment. Their debut album, Dog Roll, will be out later in the year. And even though the album isn't out yet, it could be album of the year. That's a big boast, but wow. I think it could really go that way, down that way. And uh, in that lineup, which is super strong, is The Altered Hours, Just Mustard, Fonda, and Odd Morris. And that is on February 22nd. Grab your tickets tomorrow, Thursday. That's when they go on sale. Eric, as usual, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you, Andy. Cheers, okay, mate. The Limerick art scene is just as vibrant and Rose Rush is back to join uh, after our first podcast uh, last week with Rose. Um, you teased us in with some interviews uh, that you have. Um, I think you've got one with the legend that is Ross Carl Kelly. Absolutely. Um, Ross Carl Kelly is a national and indeed international figure. I think he's an iconic figure, one of the funniest dorks in history. His author is Paul Howard who's an Irishman who began his working life as a sports writer, an award-winning sports writer. I believe he's still as acute as ever in that field. Um, Paul Howard is also a novelist. Um, he writes comedy sketches. He does theater shows. And his most common thread through his prolific output is his alter ego, Rossa Carol Kelly, and his fourth theatre show, working with the almighty Jimmy Fay of Belfast Lyric Theatre, and uh, Jimmy Fay worked for a long time with New Theatre in, in Dublin. Jimmy's back to direct this, um, this most recent theatrical show, which is a full show. It's a one-man show in this instance, and the gorgeous, chunky, hunky, Rory Nolan plays Ross O'Carroll Kelly. Um, that's in Limerick from February. That's coming in mid-February. It's a good five-night run in our biggest venue, the Thousand Seater Concert Hall, which just tells you the sort of pull and drag that um, Ross O'Carroll Kelly has for us. Yeah, and your interview, your interview features um, in the lead of this week's arts. Um, tell me about Bat, the father, Rabbit, the son. Okay, Donal O'Kelly is a frequent flyer to Limerick. He's a producer, director, he's a social activist whose campaign vehicle is AFRI. Um, interestingly, his daughter Katie O'Kelly is the current uh, theatre artist in residence in Belltable. Donald O'Kelly sort of has made various entries to Limerick. One he brought years ago to theatre at the Savoy was his anti-shell, anti-carb gas, um, extremely funny, funny, and very, very daring, very cheeky show, Alalu Fanula. Uh, he's back in this instance with another uh, one-man show that typically addresses the state of the nation, and he loves pillaring those who have not been called to account. He loves invoking our conscience, 
But he has this great way of doing it. Yeah, his approach is to make us laugh. Forget being dictatorial. And your interview again features on Arts Page this week. Yeah. This uh, week's show, it's going to be Back the Father, Rabbit the Son, Catch It for One Night Only in Bell Table this Saturday the 26th. It's screamingly funny and it goes back to the Ireland of the pinstripe suits and the extraordinary debt legacy left to us. And it's a, it's like a tussle of good and evil in the conscience of man. Or not, it works in an allegorical plane or he's just a, a hollage magnet who's just gone mental. Okay, great. That's it. We look forward to it. Um, Rose, you want to tease in an episodic uh, feature that's going to be in the post, City and Soul? It is, yeah, yeah. Our working title for it is City and Soul. It's an examination of, we want to bring the reader towards um, our institutions, not the Grimsworth and Mulgrave Street. Talking about the um, operative bodies that influence, uh, give to, control to the city. Uh, This week's um, topic is Limerick 2020. Um, sorry, Limerick 2030, I beg your pardon, we've moved well on from Limerick 2020. Future future pages will look at the museum and its its recent director, Jill Cousins. We're going to look at Limerick Civic Trust. We're going to look at St Mary's Cathedral and its dean appointed just a year ago, um, uh, Dean, dean Niall Sloan. Forgive me, I was going to call him Reverend and he corrected me yesterday. The, the appropriate salutation is Dean. That's important, folks, right? Um, David Conway is a son of Limerick. He's heading up Limerick 2030, the purpose-created vehicle to put in traction the city again by council investment in these enormous sites. Troy Studios is the best one. It's doubling its footprint this year. Night Flyers is typical of the successes it's having. Um, Gardens International is familiar. I want to, that's the city part, the soul part is who is the human being heading up this organisation, um, opening the lid to them. What do they feel? How do they perceive Limerick? What drives them? What's nice? What's, what's, what could be improved about the city? So David Conway is the, the, the person in question there who's kind enough to give us his time this week. And I think the big mystery site in these five campuses that Limerick Council has invested how many billion is is going into yeah. Limerick 2030 to turn our fortunes around? We're certainly exceeding targets. Um, I think the mystery site is Cleves, and our online editor Kane Reinhardt beside me here. He put to he put to David Conway what exactly is going to happen in this mysterious Riverside site. This is what David Conway had to say. For 2019, we want to move Cleves forward. I think we have a definition of what's happening with the other sites that we have in our control within Limerick 2030. We see Cleves site as developing something iconic and superb for Limerick, bringing a key footfall, a large footfall into the city. Some attractions, some visitor attractions, some education elements and so on, but a mix of residential, this attraction, educational, but overall, we need to see a vision for the site that's iconic for Limerick moving forward. Thank you, Rose. That's uh, that's great. We look forward to um, reading more uh, in this week's uh, edition and seeing what's online from uh, David. Uh, so this has been The Last Post. I have been your host, Andrew Carey. And for more news, sport, entertainment, home and living, pets, and much, much more, uh, make sure you turn to the Limerick Post every Thursday in print and online at limerickpost.ie and through all our social media channels. We really are keeping Limerick posted.